Hey y'all, I'm Gaina and I'm Sonia and you're listening to two bold and badass women sharing our takes on our South Asian experience. From discussing cultural taboos to tools for how to cope, together we can redefine our culture. Welcome to our safe community. Welcome to Brown and Bold. Before we start this episode, um, we just want to let you know that we do get a little bit serious in here and discuss some relationship abuse and um, sexual violence, nothing graphic, um, but just talk about how that those things can happen in relationships. So if that would be worrying for you, just bear that in mind before you continue listening. And now we're going to get started. Okay, ladies, how many of you were told that you couldn't look at a man, much less talk to one until you were in your late teens, maybe your early 20s. So you're 20 years old, you know, halfway through college, and finally you have permission to date. And then all of a sudden, in the span of like two years, you're expected to date around, meet your perfect partner, and be ready to get married by the time you're like 22, 24. Your parents are asking you where your fiance is, where your boyfriend is, and you barely know how to talk to a man because you weren't even allowed to for most of your life. And you know, the really ironic part about that whole situation is that one of the biggest restrictions and causes for Desi girls is dating. Now, of course, when we're young, you know, where we want that romance, we're going to find ways around it. And even if that means secretly dating, we will. But with that comes a lot of tension and drama in the house, if you're discovered, you know, which brings us to the question, why is dating considered so bad? And tension and drama, not to mention all the guilt and secrecy and the anxiety that's going to build up within you over the years if you are being secretive about a relationship. You know, if by typical South Asian standards, we're supposed to glue two families together, then we should at least have the chance to get to know who our partners really are well before we get married. And, you know, but a lot of times, like forget knowing each other through and through, a lot of couples in our parents' generation didn't really know each other at all, right? Some of them either met the wedding day or they just met once, looked at each other's faces, served each other chai and said like, yeah, I agree. I'll marry this person. You know, I'm going to commit my life to this person. Even though- hey. Yeah, you know, I barely had a conversation. I watched this girl drink chai, done deal, you know? <laughs> a, lot of ta- a lot of marriages in our parents' generation aren't exactly the healthiest. I wonder why. And fortunately, when you ask the women if they would have married their husband, had they had the chance to date and get to know them better, a lot of the times the answer is no. And it's really sad, but then it baffles me why despite knowing what they could have done to prevent being in an unhealthy relationship, they still expect this generation to do the same. They still expect other girls to do the same because they have this mindset of, well, I didn't get to choose. So why do you get to choose? And it's also like comes out subliminally when when they're like, oh, like, yeah, that's how marriage works. It just sort of yeah. warps their understanding of, of a relationship. It's like, oh, yeah, you just get to know, make sure they're sort of a decent per human being for by knowing them for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. And then the whole process of marriage is like changing each other and becoming better people together, which is like sort of true, but like it, it doesn't work for us in this generation, right? Personally, I feel like it's not changing together. It's just like, even if you don't love each other, the thing they keep hearing is like, oh, you'll fall in love. through. Yes, the- true. And and like, yeah. And like, if you have things you don't like about each other, you can like quote, like 
I've heard like work on those or change each other during the relationship after you're married. The kids and, and having kids, if you're having problems in your marriage, you know, the, just have some the kids. By the way, is have kids, which is not the way to go, but okay. Yeah. Um, that makes for a lot of, you know, messed up kids, just like, just like childhood, just like us and some of the other, other kids we know. So today we will discuss some of the reasons why dating is frowned upon in the South Asian community and how we can approach our families about dating um, as we move forward with de- desigmatizing dating in our community in general. And of course, throughout this, we'll incorporate some of our personal stories um, with <laughs> dating and talking to our families about it. So Sonia, why do you think dating is so bad? I think in South Asian culture, dating is considered bad because it could harm the the girl's purity. First of all, dating is so heteronormative, right? So it's like assuming that women and men are the ones seeing each other. And it assumes that if a woman is dating somebody, she's putting herself in a compromising position. She Mm. is doing something the assumption is basically that like she's gonna like go around and like have sex with people which there's first of all nothing wrong with that right it doesn't make a woman like a bad person for for doing that first of all just want to put that out there but beyond that there is the assumption that like having any sort of intimate contact whether it's like late nights talking on the phone or going like out together Um, anything that happens in the evening is just like a big, is just canceled. So that's, I think one of the big things that like a girl's purity comes into question if she spends any time alone with a man that she's not already like engaged to or married to. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of phrases like derogatory phrases used to describe girls who have any kind of interaction with guys. Like there's a phrase that's like, right? Like Jalu is this term I heard all the time growing up. I don't, Jalu just means on. That's like the literal definition. It's, I don't really, I it don't means really kind of like, it means cunning. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I've heard it in that context, but I've also heard it in a more sexual context in that like, oh, it means like casual, like this girl will casually go around. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also, you know, like the concept of like used goods, like, oh, when she talks to a guy like you're used, what other guy's going to want to talk to you? Like every guy wants a pure woman, whether or not he's pure, who cares? Right. No, definitely. I've heard that. And what's interesting is that like over time is how we become good at being in a relationship. Right. So like you have, we'll share like our, our experiences, but like you've dated a few different people. And like, I had like a couple of small interactions dating. And then I had like a really long relationship dating multiple people, and even that my long relationship, I told my parents that like, it, it's, it makes you a better person. It gets you to know yourself better and okay. it prepares you to then be the perfect partner for the person that you end up with. So it's sad that like this process of getting to improve yourself and someone else together is so frowned upon. I completely agree with that. I feel like it is like getting in a relationship with somebody isn't just about, you know, like the romance and the intimacy, there's such an opportunity for growth during those times, right? Because you learn communication skills, like what failed in one relationship for me will make me more mindful of how I approach that situation in another relationship. And like, if the relationship is kind of rocky, it's like, all right, let's learn each other's communication styles. Let's figure out how each other works, like how we need that space and like, let's move forward, right? And I think, all they see parents can think about is sex. 
is that intimacy like that's what they think comprises like the entire relationship absolutely that's all they think dating is about and especially when you're a teenager it's I mean I kind of see where they're coming from in this right because they just think like oh horny teenagers like guys only want one thing from you and during teenage times when from what I've seen like I I see why they would think that right because it is a little unhealthy at times the way that we behave when we're teenagers though is very different from how we behave when we're adults. And of course we want to reemphasize that the topic of sex is not bad, right? Like having sex as a single woman or a single man, there's nothing wrong with it objectively, but, and you know, of course we're sex positive in this, in the Brown and Bold community, but that like that component of relationships and dating is much harder to destigmatize with our families than is the like self-growth and self-knowledge part of it, right? So if we are in our heads able to say like, okay, dating composes of both like the sexual aspect and also just sort of the other personal growing and like loving aspect, then that will be an easier conversation to take on to our parents. And so hopefully like over the course of this episode, we can get to the point where we we understand how to approach our parents by explaining to them that dating is about more than sex, right? It's like all of these other benefits that it has for a person. And those are the things that like we want to focus on, even though, yes, like, of course, sexual relationships are common in in dating relationships and there's nothing wrong with that. It's normal. Yeah. And, you know, in order to make progress, like a lot of these talks you have with your parents, it's important to try to understand their perspective. And so I have, right. I've tried to understand their perspective. A lot of times it didn't make sense to me growing up. It makes a little more sense to me now, but I one phrase that I heard my parents say like when I was way younger and that I've heard a lot of adults say is, you know, girls who date are modern, right? Like that modern adjective I've heard so many times used in such a derogatory way towards women who are more like open-minded, who are more accepting. And it makes me question, it's like, what do you mean? Like the times are modern, the world is changing. We are progressing. If a woman is going with the times and she's also progressing by calling her modern, are you admitting that you are stuck in your regressive ways? Like, are you admitting that you don't want to move forward and that you aren't willing to listen to what this generation has to say? And I feel like when it comes to communication about dating or literally any other topic, I feel like our generation is frustrated and exhausted from trying to move forward with their parents' generation, right? And some of us are moving forward, like we talked about in our previous episode about communication. But I think the disheartening part is when this one topic of sex is all they can think of, right? That's all that consumes their mind and they're not willing to move forward from that. And a lot of times aren't even willing to move forward about the conversation of dating. They're like, nope, this is how it is. This is how it's gonna be. And they're like, we know, it's the classic, right? We know better because we've been through this. Like, I, you know, our dads will be like, yeah, like I'm a man, I know how other men think. And, and that's the part that really sometimes gets to me because it's like, it's gross to think about your dad being like, oh yeah, I'm a man. And like, I've had other people tell me this, like uncles and stuff and be like, oh yeah, I'm a man. So I can tell you that like, that's all men want. And I'm like, you're really putting your whole gender, like uh, throwing your whole gender under the bus because that is not all men want. Right. And like men are complex beings and like want to have like relationships that are deep and emotional in other ways than sex. And so do women. And so do like non-binary people. So like, 
you know, don't throw a whole gender under the bus and say like, that's all men want. And therefore like girls, you as like the victim and the bystander in these relationships can't be like caught up in all that because that both makes all men seem bad and also makes women seem like they have no agency and control in a relationship. Unfortunately, that I think is a lot of what our parents come into the the conversation thinking. Um, So maybe like one of the things that would be interesting is like if you know, if you're a man, like I'm thinking of my brother in this situation, and if he were to have the dating conversation with my parents, like if they said that to him, he'd be like, bro, no, like this, this is how I think I am a man. And therefore me as my brother can like assert what I want and like tell you that a relationship is about more than that. And, you know, when I did start dating early in high school, of course it was in secrecy, but I asked my parents at one point, I was like, are you guys old fashioned? Like, would you classify yourselves as that? Do you think you're regressive? They're like, yes, this is our culture. Our culture is the correct way. And they're stuck in that. My parents are the exact same way. And they're like, we know we're old fashioned, but we're okay with that. And it's like, that's when you just, it's just like, huh, what? You're not even willing to think about this pro like this process, this progress, just because you, you know that you're stuck in your ways and you're not willing at all to change that that's so frustrating especially because we've as we've talked about in previous episodes indian culture and pakistani culture and south asian culture as a whole is progressing it is moving forward male male and female relationships and like female and female relationships and all sorts of relationships are becoming more common in like younger folks and so it's sad that like people who've immigrated here are still thinking like this doesn't happen in our culture anymore Yeah. Dang, I love where this conversation is going. It's like related to dating, but it's so much deeper than that. I really, really appreciate that. Yay, I'm glad. And you know, what's interesting is although South Asian culture in South Asia is modernizing and becoming more progressive and dating is becoming more common here in the U.S., because the South Asian mothers are sort of stuck in their ways, they've also raised South Asian men who are stuck in their ways. So a lot of times like boys in our generation who grew up here are almost have more backwards mentalities than boys growing up now in India, for example. So like that often leads to the problem where we as young South Asian women, if we're entering the dating world and we're looking to like, you know, find somebody, all of the people that we would want to date are either are like taken all the quote, like all the good ones are taken by the time, like a lot of us start dating in our twenties and the rest of them are, have a lot of catching up to do because they were raised in these sort of regressive households. They still have mentalities that are, for example, like, I don't want to cook and clean. I don't want to be really involved in all of the nitty gritty of child rearing, um, a lack of some of the like ambition that we would expect from like sort of a modern professional who like has their goals beyond what their parents do. So there's all these like aspects that a lot of South Asian men who grew up with us and in our generation experience. And that also makes it feel like it's hard for us to find a South Asian partner who fits our values and our lifestyles. And so sometimes we then wander and venture beyond South Asian men. And that causes a whole nother avalanche of complications with our families. Like you couldn't find somebody in your own community, like what's wrong with you, et cetera, et cetera. And that that stigma is common in like our community and the black community. It's like, it's, it's an everything. And it's, it just sucks because like we, like us girls just want to find somebody who resonates with us. Right. You know, and to what you were saying earlier, I actually saw this tweet, not tweet, tweet, (laughs) 
<laughs> from this entitled this entitled brown boy who said something like you know my our desi moms endured so much for us they don't make women like that anymore like oh women like women today aren't like that anymore and if we really dissect that like let's let's look at let's examine what he really means by that right yeah. our moms endured so much what do you mean endure what did she endure who is she enduring tell me you know like who is she enduring? She was enduring abuse because endure means that you suffered. Exactly, you suffered. So you're saying that because women in the past suffered, women today aren't suffering, therefore they are not strong. That mentality, even though he said it so casually, like today's women aren't very strong. First of all, that's not true. Women are so incredibly strong it's just going a different direction where we where we know we're worth right and we're not mm -hmm. tolerating abuse we're choosing not to suffer because we don't have to because we have choices and when it comes to choices in terms of dating when you go out into the dating world and you see entitled brown boys like these who say that women don't suffer anymore therefore they're not strong how are we supposed to find our life partner how are we supposed to date when guys think like this I'm snapping if you can't hear what that sound is. Um, yeah, like just imagine those are the exact, that's the type of person who would say something like, yeah, like I want a partner like my mom. And it's true. They don't make them like our moms anymore because they shouldn't have to. Like our moms right. went through so much and uh, women, they went through that so that we wouldn't have to, right? Like they don't want their daughters to be always cooking and cleaning okay. and having to work a job and doing everything for the kids like that is a ton of work that our moms did that like they don't probably don't want their daughters to do for the most part so like it's it's funny because like we don't want to do that as women and like our moms don't want that for us either and yet there are like so many people out there who want that for their sons right yeah. so like it's, and the it's sons interesting want that for themselves exactly the sons then see you know my mom did all of these things they grew up with this mentality that their mom always has to do everything. And why would they divert from that mentality? Because they were always treated like a prince. They benefited from that treatment their entire lives. So why would they even for a second think that any other treatment would be beneficial for a marriage? Because in their minds, they're like, well, I was treated great. I didn't have to stress. I didn't have to do any damn thing in the house. Why would I start doing any damn thing in the house now? Now that I have a woman, she should also be treating me because my mom treated me. And if she doesn't, then you go with the whole, oh, they don't make women like that anymore. Right. That that phrase really rubbed me the wrong way because what do you mean by that? Right. And in-laws too then like can play into that, right? Because men like that will probably, I mean, they might want their like mothers in the home with their with their partners. And so it's like that that leads to a whole nother level of like competition, right? It's like then the mother is like, oh, like you the mother-in-law also expects the daughter-in-law, the future daughter-in-law to like do everything for their son. Right. And like, or they're like, you're not taking care well enough care of him, um, which is a whole nother layer of complication and, and stress. And so that brings us to the question of if we don't want those qualities of like a regressive mentality in a, in a male partner, what do we want? What are the qualities that we want in a partner? And how do we find those through dating? Yes. 
I feel like I have, I'm asking for the bare minimum. And I feel like a lot of women are also asking for the bare minimum. And there's definitely a disconnect between what brown boys think women want and what (laughs) women actually want. Because I've seen on social media and stuff, brown men will be like, all women want is like fancy cars and they just want a rich husband. Like y'all don't have anything to offer for yourselves. I see all these misogynistic comments all the time. It's like a lot of women are not obsessed with money. I feel like most women aren't. Like we just want a partner who's willing to share responsibility. And women today like make money too. Like we have jobs, we have incomes. Like we are intelligent, capable young people. So like we don't need our mans to do that for us. Like we can treat ourselves if we want to. Anyways, you were saying. I think the biggest thing that women want in a marriage today could be generalizing. I don't know, but this is just my opinion. I feel like the biggest thing they want is a partner who's going to share equal responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Even if maybe not completely 50-50, but they want a partner who's willing to grow and get out of that regressive mindset that a woman does everything. And like, for me, I want somebody who's going to split the household chores. Now it's not always going to be 50-50, right? Like if I'm stressed, they may take up more of the, they may pick up the slack, right? And that's something that is very mature. I need a partner who's going to recognize my needs, my time, like respect that time and recognize that, hey, this is my home too. If my wife can't do this right now, let me do it instead. Let me not just sit around like on my ass waiting for her (laughs) to wash the dishes that I need to use. You know, I want somebody who's like trustworthy. Like the last thing you'd want is your partner like legitimately out you know on a business trip or something and you sitting in paranoia right you want to be able to have that trust and that's something I want you notice how I'm not saying money in any of these like I don't (laughs) care about money like yes financial stability is so important you know our immigrant parents have worked so hard and of course money is something that a lot of them do prioritize because they want to ensure that we don't have to suffer the way they do And I get it. And that's also why they promote very secure, like stable jobs and want to find partners who have those jobs. I totally get it. But just because somebody has money does not guarantee that they're going to be a quality person. It does not guarantee that just because this man can provide your daughter with a nice car, that he can provide her with a stable, healthy marriage. Absolutely. Yes. And oftentimes in my head and in my experience, I've learned that it's often the opposite, right? Because if someone is wealthy, then they often get, have gotten used to like shirking their responsibilities, right? Like they may have, if they've really worked for it themselves and they understand the value of money, then like, yeah, like they, you could find somebody who has that and also is a responsible and equal partner. But a lot of the times, if someone is really wealthy, Um, I can think of several examples of like men in our generation, brown men who are very wealthy, but they espouse the exact opposite values because of that, right? Like they grew up getting everything spoon fed to them. A lot of their wealth comes from like their parents' hard work and not their own. So they don't really have a great work ethic. Um, And then it's a lot of the like sort of backwards views of like having things done for them and not taking responsibility. And so sometimes those things can be like, then they can clash like wealth and this equal sense of equality and equal responsibility. But I think your, your top topics of trustworthiness and sharing equal responsibility, they are exactly what I would say too. And I am sure a lot of other women would agree. And you know what the thing is, is they're not, 
it's not asking for a lot. It's You're just like below the bare minimum. It's, it's so true. hard to find that. <laughs> it's so true. And that's why like, I feel like I have found that. And I think that, you know, the, the partner I'm dating now, when I found that I was like, hold on, wait a second. Like for the first time in my life, I think this may be the person, you know, I want to spend my life with. And then having that conversation with my mom, Right. Because I'm not going to do it with both my parents. I'm, you know, you don't have conversations with your dad. You have them with your mom. <laughs> Having a conversation with my mom was just terrifying on like another level. Right. Because before I could be like, hey, mom, I want to marry a guy. Right. And this conversation of marriage has only recently come up in the last couple months, despite being the relationship being like four and a half years. Right? And why did it get to the point where, sorry to interrupt, but just want to pull that out. Right. Like, it's been a long relationship and it took you that long. It took you like, I, from knowing you, I know it took you like what, three years before yeah. you were like, yes, I could be with this person forever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. that's how long it takes to get to know somebody. Like, you, have you ever had a best friend in sooner than three years? No, because it takes that long to like get to know everything about a person. And you need to know all of those things before you decide to commit to them. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, I think with friends, it can be a little bit different, especially with girlfriends, because we get vulnerable real quick, real, you know, real fast. But in a relationship, especially with a South Asian male, you know, there's so many things we could dive into. But of course, I don't want it to sound like we're bashing them or anything. But it, it took me three years to really consider this person as like a life partner, because I was like, I don't want to rush into anything. You know, I've seen my I've seen other marriages and I've seen what works, what doesn't work. And I'm like, I don't want to commit to somebody as a, you know, life partner, just because I like a couple things about them. Like they make me happy today. Okay, great. You know, tomorrow they may not make me happy. What does that mean? Am I going to get divorced? Right? So yes, it took three years. And for some people, that's a long time. That's okay. Some people know immediately. All right. That's okay. Great on you. But for me, I actually hid my relationship from my mom for a solid year like I didn't tell her and like they would ask me at home right when I would go home for breaks they'd be like oh are you dating someone and I'd be like no I'm focusing on my studies <laughs> but studying I your man <laughs> oh my god I worked really hard she like stayed up all night studying just want to put that I did no I really did yeah she did <laughs> I was just joking okay keep going oh <laughs> A study in some chemistry, you know. Oh, true. I that subject, so you know. Yeah, she did study chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> but when I when I was thinking about approaching this conversation with my mom, I was actually going to hide my relationship. I was like, you know, in the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to end up marrying this guy. So why should I even tell my mom in the first place? Like, it's nothing serious. It's not that deep. But it mattered a lot to him that I share it with my mom because I had met his parents and it mattered to him. And I was like, if I've been with someone for a while and it matters, like, fine, I'm sure my mom would appreciate it too. So the way I went about telling her was really just rude and mean. And I recognized that it could have been handled a lot better, but that's, but that's too what was- we're here for <laughs> to tell you how to handle it. So, right. So the actual way that I told her about the relationship was just I just texted her and I was like, I don't want drama, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I regret it. Of course, I could have handled it better. But even though the start was really rocky, it got so much better later, right? And my mom would keep asking me, is it serious? Because a year had gone by, two years had gone by, and she would ask me, is it serious? And 
I would keep saying, no, no, like we're in college. Like, how can we be serious? I'm a senior in college. How can I be serious about somebody right now? Like I have the, I want it. I have ambitions. I want to get another degree or two. Like I have so much to do, but around the three, three and a half year mark, I was like, no, like this is serious. Right. So I sat my mom down and a huge thing to, for me to include is that my partner is Hindu and I am Muslim, right? And for the older generations, for some of y'all, y'all may have gasped and been like, oh my God, how is that working? For some other listeners, you may not understand the significance of it. Basically, there's like a long history of, you know, both these religions hating each other. Our parents aren't really super big into that. So, and we're definitely not big into that. We don't really care about the religious differences, but the cultural aspect of my religion matters a lot to my mom, especially the tight-knit community that you and I were raised in. Yep. It mattered a lot to my parents. And I was like, great, how am I going to approach this with them? And so the way I approached this conversation was pivotal. And I'm so proud of myself to this day, right? What I did is I sat my mom down and I was like, so mom, you know, when she brought up marriage, so I was like, mom, tell me, like, what are the ideal qualities you would want in a future husband for me like for your daughter and so she starts thinking and she was like you know I want this quality and I want this quality and what I were they quality. I what really don't remember because oh. I was panicking my heart was racing dude. <laughs> this was not this has not come easy to me I was just you know how when you're really nervous like some instances kind of like black out like you yeah. don't remember exactly yeah but it was, I am pretty sure it was like the generic, like, you know, somebody who's like humble, like treats you well, like keeps you happy, things that anybody would want for their right. child, hopefully. But she listed off qualities. I let her finish very patiently. And then one by one, I took every single quality, right? I said like quality one. And I said, so, you know, my boyfriend demonstrates this quality and then gave her some examples of how he did that. I took quality number two and then gave examples of how he did that. And I was so patient and so soft-spoken and calm the entire time, right? And I told her, I was like, please hear me out. And it went so well. She was just listening the entire time. There was no like pushback. There wasn't like any shock or anger or anything. And at the end, now this, this sealed the deal, right? Because my mom's a pretty emotional person. If I can get her to cry, like, I know it's a done deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hope she doesn't listen to this. But I was like, mom, I want you to think about something, all right? If you had gotten to date dad for a longer period of time, right? If you had truly gotten to date, if you had gotten to date him for three years, like I'm currently dating my partner, do you think that you would have gotten into a marriage with him and you know, she paused and she's like, I had no time to get to know him. And I was like, of course, of course, like, you don't have to justify it to me. She's like, I wish I had met his family first. I wish I had gotten to know, like gotten into conflict with him first and understood how we work before getting into a marriage. And I was like, mom, exactly. I've been able to experience all of that. I know how we function. Things are great. I gave you examples. And this means a lot to me. And she was like, okay. And when she says, okay, like, I don't have to worry about my dad. She'll convince my dad. Yeah, that's how I approached it. But Sonia, you have a different story that I think more people would be able to resonate with. So tell me yours. Yeah, so, all right. I approached my family in a similar way to like how you did later on, right? So I didn't have sort of the um, moment where I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna text and like have this approach of being like, 
stubborn. I was very much like, I want my parents to come on this journey with me. And I had a lot of high expectations. They didn't pan out that way. Um, so I had been dating my partner for six months when I talked to my mom and we were like <clears throat> sitting on, <clears throat> sitting on my bed um, when I was home for a weekend from college. And I was like, just chatting with her about life stuff. And then I was like, so mom, I want to tell you something. And she knows like moms know, like when you want to tell them something and you say it like that, it's like always about a boy or, you know, about a life partner, sexual partner, romantic partner, whatever. Um, and so she was like, oh, are you going to tell me that you're dating someone? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay, like tell me about him. And I was like, surprised at sort of the, the openness because she was like oh like okay tell me about him and I was like well the first thing that you should know and maybe this is where I messed up I didn't tell tell her about all the great qualities before I mentioned I that he was white um but I started by saying well yeah like yeah it's just the first thing I want you to know is that like he is white and she was like oh well you can't date him then that was like her first like her first impulse and like still thinking about it I get like shaken up a little because I she could tell I was really nervous. And rather than being like, okay, tell me more. She was just like, oh, well, just like stop talking right now. Cause it's not going to happen. Um, and my mom's not like that usually, which is like what really caught me off guard. I really believed that there was like a chance that she would have like heard me out and like listened and been like, oh yeah, like this person could be like your partner for a long time. Um, anyways, I talked to her and I told her about some of those things, like some of those qualities of like, mom, all of the, all through my life, we've talked about the qualities that we would want in a life partner for me and like those things. And at this point, I didn't, of course, know that like this, I would want this person to be my life partner. I just knew that like, he was a really good person and I wanted to continue to date him with my parents' permission to date, right? Because I don't like lying to them and like making things up and it's just stressful. It's not fun to, to do that in secrecy. Anyways, so when I started talking to her, she um, she listened and she was very quiet and patient. And I was like, okay, great, I'm getting somewhere. But in the end, she was like, yeah, he sounds like a great guy, but you need to break up with him. And I was like, oh, what? Are, what do you what do you mean? And I was like, you know what? I want to talk to the whole family about this. I think they'll understand. And she's like, Sonia, they're not going to understand. Thanks. Yeah, I was. I wanted to hold like a family meeting, and I talked to my brother, and he was like, yeah, like that's fine. He's a good person. Like whatever. Um, my brother's younger than me, but we all were going to do a family meeting. And so I told my mom and my brother about it ahead of time. And then I wanted to convene this meeting. And my mom was like, I need to tell your dad immediately. And I was like, no, it's my thing to tell him. You can't tell him until I'm ready. And so she really went into this like depressive, like anxious phase where she was like not able to sleep. She was anxious all the time. And my parent, my dad started to notice her behavior. It was really weird that this affected her in such a way. Um, now that I think about it, I'm, I'm like, that was kind of manipulative of her, but it was also real because she did experience this like shock and like frustration and stress because she thought that like, I had just, I don't know, done something terrible, which just goes to show like how our parents were brought up to think that like the moment you date somebody, especially if they're not AC, that like you've done something deeply wrong. Okay, I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to fast forward a little. So have this family meeting. My parents intentionally leave my brother out of it. They like, I'm like, oh, well, let's wait for him to get here. And they're like, no, no, we'll just start. And it really frustrated me because he, I knew he was the only one who would be on my side. 
So I was alone facing both my parents and my grandparents. Um, and the five of us sat in, you know, in a room and started, I started to tell them this and they were like, Oh, they said the same exact thing. We're sure he's a great person, but you can't date him anymore. Why? And, and, you know, they also said like, why did you wait six months to tell us? We would have told you to not continue this. If you had told us immediately, you broke our trust. They turned it on me. They were like, you broke our trust. Always. Always trust. How could you do this? Don't you trust us? We trusted you. We let you live on campus away from home. And this is what you go and do. Like you're supposed to be focusing on school, blah, 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 blah. And like the crazy thing, like when I was dating my partner, my grades went up, right? Like I was able to study better, focus better, get to know myself better. All of these things were going so well and they just didn't want to hear it. And they were like, just, they were hung up on the fact that we didn't share a religion and a culture. Honestly, it was like a big wrench in my relationship. Like I continued that relationship for a while after that. And, you know, I told my mom again, like another six months later, and she was like, yeah, you still need to end this. And like, I brought it up again with them and talked to my mom and dad about it and they still hadn't budged. Um, And it was a really painful process. Um, My partner and I broke up and, you know, like sort of took a break, broke up because because partially all of the things that my parents had emotionally like done to me, right? Like I felt like maybe they're right. Maybe I do need to explore more. Maybe I do need to like experience other life partners, potential partners before I set on one person. And there's all, there's a lot of, a lot of other reasons also that our relationship sort of has, has stopped, but it's, that's, I know that's a big part of it. Cause like my, my family really did a number on my like confidence and my ability to like be in a relationship with like full fully with myself there was so much like shame and guilt um in it I think that like a lot of that hurt my partner and he was really wonderful about it the whole time he was really encouraging but I don't think I like could continue to do that to him and to myself either like I think I needed to like grow a I don't like to say like grow a pair but like grow a vagina and like you know stand up for myself and that I think required that relationship to end and also for me to like learn how to stand up to my parents which I haven't done yet on that front I'm so sorry yeah I know I just talked a lot but hopefully that hopefully that's like relatable to people it is it first of all it's I one thing that I admire so much is that you actually want to have an open discussion with your parents despite them not being that receptive because I think just the prospect of talking to a dad especially and grandparents about something so personal especially a guy like that is uncomfortable my dad asks me about my boyfriend even now he's like oh bring him over for dinner and I still feel uncomfortable right and like I know that's a relationship that a lot of people crave with their dads and I appreciate my dad trying but I feel uncomfortable because I think all of us have grown up in this mindset where dating and boys are like taboo or taboo, however you say it. Like (laughs) it's, you aren't supposed to speak about it. And I've internalized that for sure, which is why I avoid talking about it. And when I hear you open about it, you know, open up about it so casually and bringing it up to your parents, I'm sure that was nerve wracking, but like hats off to you. Like that was so bold and brown, brown and bold. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's still like, hurts to to discuss especially just because get on your face yeah um just because of the like how much it hurt to like end that relationship and just want to emphasize to everybody that like I didn't do it because my parents told me to right 
But I do want to say that like all of the conditioning over the years probably played a, a part in it, right? Like it probably instilled in me that like I should like experience dating a brown person and I should experience like being another important part of that. And this is something that I actually will share because I think it's a positive lesson. Um, There's a lot of our moms went into their marriages without ever really getting a chance to know themselves first, right? Like they didn't become fully fledged independent women before they ended up in a marriage. And so for me, they also mentioned that point. And I don't think I really internalized that when I was like, you know, early in college, when I was in this relationship at the beginning. But, you know, towards the end of the relationship, I was realizing that like, I have been in this relationship for a formative part of my life. And I rely on I relied on my partner for so many things. And I I think it's really important that like, as we are dating and like going into that, while you learn a lot about yourself from dating, you learn just as much from yourself or about yourself by being a single adult. And so like for anybody who is questioning like whether they're feeling pressure to date, you also don't have to. There's a lot that you can learn and do by yourself that brings a lot of fulfillment. So like, you know, traveling alone or even like dating around, both of those things um, can be like, for example, two small ways to like learn more about yourself. Um, And I I think both of those things and like a ton of other things, like going through grad school, the grad school process by myself and like a lot of these other things are things that I I think I'm happy doing just by myself because I want to know that I'm like capable enough to handle them on my own. And of course you're going through them with a partner and that doesn't make either of us like better or worse than the other, but like there's different ways to approach growth. And Definitely, if you want to do it with a partner, that's like totally possible. And like emphasizing to your parents that like that's what you want. I mean, there are, I think there are, you know, pros and cons to also doing it with a partner. It having a partner support is great, but sometimes when you aren't dating the right partner, it can be more detrimental to your overall, right? And again, that's why it's so important to date people to determine in times of stress, how they're going to comfort you. Are they going to be there for you? Because, you know, this whole honeymoon phase that people talk about, you know, everyone's on their best behavior. For me, it was actually the opposite where my relationship started off pretty rocky. And, you know, being like a brown girl, we're just like, oh, you know, we have this mentality that we can change them. Like we can fix up a guy, right? And I'm like, you know, there's something about this guy, like, sure, I'll tolerate it. He's really oblivious, whatever. First couple months were really rocky, but it was when I started to get kind of stressed. And when I started to communicate openly that I got to see a different side of him. And it was a great side. And, you know, it, it, did, it did so well for our relationship where now it's like four and a half years later. And like, it may not be a phase, but I feel like we're still in our honeymoon phase, you know, several years later. And it's because we built that strong foundation from the start. And for anybody who is dating, like, please don't get swept away with like maybe romance or like roses, because I certainly didn't get that in the beginning of my relationship because my partner's love languages were different. And that was something important for me to recognize, right? Don't get swept away with words because anybody can spew romantic words focus on their actions and focus on times when you are most vulnerable and when you need the most support. 
Because when you are stressed out, is your partner comforting you? Is your partner giving you space if that's what you need? Is your partner thinking about you or are they thinking about what they need despite being in a time where they should be thinking about you? That's why I feel like dating is so important, you know? It's so much more than holding hands and like going to the movies. It's so much deeper than that. And I feel like in order to prevent a lot of that, that like toxicity and that abuse that we've seen in older generation marriages, I feel like they've been doing the same thing thus far and getting the same result. If we don't want toxic and abusive marriages, clearly we're gonna have to do something different. Absolutely. And you mentioned like toxic and abusive relationships. And of course, those are not limited to our parents' generation, right? Because we see them all the time in ours as well. Like I know several people who have been through them. And thankfully, like my relationship was was incredible. And like the reason that it ended was because I needed to figure out like all of this stuff that I mentioned. And like, but there are relationships that that are potentially like there are red flags in that right and so you mentioned a really important one that was like you know just like using like flattering words and like um being really like nice but then when it comes to like the important stuff they're not there for you so like that that happens a lot in a lot of people's relationships and it often happens in younger relationships but if that's happening like that's not that's not really abusive that's more of just like inconsiderate right so we can like potentially potentially get better from those but then there are like forms of those that are manipulative right there's there's like there's a lot of gift giving and then they expect something in return right they expect you to like either do something like physical or a partner might expect you to like they might gaslight you and be like oh like flip it around and when you ask like oh like you weren't there for me in this moment they might say like oh but I got you all these flowers and this really nice present like of course I'm there for you right so that like that often happens what are some other red flags and relationships that like we would want our listeners to like keep an eye out for themselves and for their friends also? Actually, you know, what you said about the gift giving, let me go something on that. I think a lot of times it's easy to pin red flags on someone else without realizing that sometimes we may also be mm-hmm. exhibiting like a red flag without thinking about it, right? So when it comes to like the gift giving, in the beginning of my relationship, I it was easy for me to be influenced by everything around me on social media. Like you see these grand gestures of guys like doing all this nice stuff for their girlfriends. And like, I like to be romantic and my partner was not, you know? And so when he did do something and I feel like a terrible person, but this is where growth comes in, right? Like I reflected on this when he would try to give me a gift because he thought it was important to me. Often in my head, I was comparing it to these grand gestures that I had seen in other relationships and I wouldn't appreciate what he did for me as much and I would leave feeling disappointed, right? Which would in turn make him feel disappointed. But the more I thought about it, the more that we've grown together, those little actions that he did for me back then, like making me like a little panda bookmark, those things mattered to me so much because that was out of his comfort zone and he was willing to do that because it mattered to me. So looking back on it, like I, I was that red flag. Like I was doing something kind of unhealthy and a huge part of being in a relationship and growing is recognizing that your partner isn't perfect, but neither are you. And if you want them to be a better partner to you, like you also need to be a better partner to them and try to understand them. And I feel like love language is just really crucial in this. 
And, you know, if you haven't heard of lang- uh, love languages, they're basically different ways that people express like their affection or people need affection. And so yeah. what are the, what are the five? It's, um, so there's mine in, um, like the, their order is quality time, self-explanatory, mm-hmm. um, touch. So like hugs and like, you know, like physical comfort, um, um, acts of care, um, which is like, or acts of service when someone does stuff for you when, when you need it, um, words of affection and gift giving. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, like words of affirmation, I like those letters. I need those letters. Like ever since a young child, I think, I think all of us want validation to an extent, but me a little bit more. Like I, I want somebody to repeatedly tell me, and like, that might be a red flag to somebody, right? Like, why does this girl need so much validation all the time? But for me, that was my love language. And when my partner is not an affectionate person at all or expressive, like that was difficult on his end, but we made it work, you know? And oh my God. Yeah. All it It, takes is like getting to know that's the thing. Like dating is about as much about knowing yourself as it is about like being with another person. Because if you, there's so many people who are like in these relationships and they get frustrated, right? People get frustrated in their relationships because they're like, there's my partner's doing something that's bothering me. And I know I love them. I know I like them, but I don't know why I'm not happy. And it's like, because you don't know what you want. And if you do, you're not telling your partner, right? Like if you need words of affirmation, if you need gestures, like tell your partner and then they'll try to do them and then recognize their attempts and like grow through that together. One of the things that like my partner and I worked a lot on was like, I am like a notoriously like aggressive and rude person. And like, sometimes I would be dismissive and like rude or like interrupt when he was speaking and things like that. And like, those things bothered him. And because he had been in five relationships before me, he knew how to tell me that. And that hurt me to hear that I was like rude, but no one else told me. So like, no one told me in a loving and affectionate way. And no one like worked with me to get better at those things. So the reason I am today kinder and more affectionate than I was several years ago is because of that. And like, I'm so thankful for that. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure Anch would say the same thing about you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's both ways, right? Like he grounds me because sometimes I get up in my feelings too much and in my head a lot. And he tries to rationalize everything. Whereas before he was very distant and like didn't really take into consideration other people's feelings he was just like very he was just oblivious right Mm -hmm. and now he's a lot more considerate of other people and of me and I think that's one thing I mean this could be a generalization but I feel like a lot of times guys can be oblivious (laughs) and this is why I am such a huge advocate for communication when it comes to what I need you know a lot of times I think women kind of hope that our partners will pick up on cues. They'll be like, well, I'm upset. Why can't they tell that I'm upset? And why don't they know I'm upset? Like, I think one of one of a kind of toxic situation is when somebody's like, you don't know what you did wrong. Really? You don't know what you did wrong. It's like sometimes the other person genuinely may not have thought about it the way that you thought about it. And if that bothers you, that's okay. Right. But communicate that with them. Be like, this bothers me because you did that. And then allow them an opportunity to respond. If they gaslight you, that is not okay. Right. Because you're expressing something that bothers you. But if they receive it well, even if it hurts you in the beginning, it's so important to realize like, hey, they actually received it well. Like this is an opportunity for growth. 
Absolutely. And one of the sort of other, just before to round out the conversation of like some red flags and like ways to improve, there is a big red flag that I see a lot in our generation that is like controlling behavior. Um, and I see this in a lot of basic relationships where um, the man is very possessive. And again, we're speaking frequently in, in heteronormative terms because this is where we see a lot of the negative tropes. And of course they can be extended into same-sex relationships and um, you know, so, so on. But anyways, this nature of being really controlling, um, I see a lot and I see it coming from the male partner as well as the um, female partner um, where they want to spend all of their time with them and they stop like the one partner will try to get the other partner to stop spending time with their friends or like spend all your time with me. Why are you hanging out with your friends constantly monitoring and checking up on them? Not in a way that's just like, Hey, what's up? It's like, where are you? What are you doing? Almost as if like, you know, when your parents are like constantly policing where you are and what you're doing, it's almost like that, but it's your partner where that's not the power dynamic partners are supposed to have, right? But like, I see a lot of people in our generation tolerating it or going along with it because that's how their parents treated them. And that's how their parents are with each other a lot of times too, right? Like a lot of our parents don't have any friends other than each other. And so like they think people, like maybe they think that's normal. Maybe they think that like, yeah, it's okay for me my partner to want to know everything I'm doing at every moment of the day and don't want me to spend time with other people. And maybe that's okay. And like, I see that internalized and I'm just now having this realization that like, oh, maybe it's because we see it a lot in our community. Mm. Um, and that's where like a lot of that like stifled frustration comes from. But, you know, of course, if you see any red flags from a relationship, um, there's definitely like hotlines that you can call to get help. Um, I'll list the number at the end of the episode for, for one. What do you think is a, another red flag? Hmm. What have we gone through already? So we went through sort of controlling um, of like time and energy and, and other relationships. We went through like gaslighting, physical pressures. Mm, uh, physical pressure is a big thing. You know, I think there's this uh, assumption that if you're in a relationship, like by default, you know, if you're in a marriage or relationship by default, like you owe them part of your body because that's what's expected of you, right? They think, oh, you're in a relationship. Consent is automatic because you consented to dating me. If your partner ever, ever forces you and not in like a aggressive way, even if it's in subtle ways, right? Like, oh my God, you're always tired. Why don't you ever want to do anything with me? These kind of phrases, that is hurtful because if they say some kind of phrase and it makes you feel guilty and you're like, okay, fine. Like, you know, let's be intimate or like, fine. Like, let's do something. That is so manipulative and that's so unhealthy. That is Mm -hmm. not okay. And unfortunately, like a lot of times that kind of behavior is really common in young relationships. And that's what makes me think like, oh, like our parents sort of knew what they were talking about when they were like, don't start dating yet. Because I did see that in a lot of like my residence relationships in college, right? When I was an RA. And that really freaks me out because I'm like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that to your partner. But that's sort of like very normal at that age. But if you see that, if that behavior isn't checked, it can progress and escalate, right? And it can it can turn into something where partners are expected that they're owed physical like intimacy because they're dating somebody. But of course, consent is an affirmative and consensual yes, right? It is an affirmative response. It's not saying saying no, of course, means that a partner is not consenting, but consent requires 
that both people are like enthusiastically saying yes to something. Um, and that's like really critical. And we could go into that, you know, we, we, we do have plans to do an episode about like um, sexual violence and, and like trauma and, and, and rape culture, but we will talk about that later. Um, you know, okay, this, to go on a tangent, um, your story that you said earlier in the episode has been kind of like revolving in my mind about how, you know, your mom immediately like shut you down, which hurts for even me to hear, you know, um, I want to ask you, you know, take your time. What is something that you wish that you could tell your mom right now about your relationship, your past relationship? I think I would tell her that if there's any growth or progress or improvement in me in the last like you know several years whether that's my applying and getting accepted into law school whether that's me getting a job as a consultant whether that's me leaving that job and pursuing something that I'm happy was happier with um in the nonprofit world like all of those are sort of like physical or tangible material improvements or whether it's like I mentioned earlier, my lack of aggression, my increased patience, my increased like love for my family, my increased like transparency and my, my love for cooking, like all of the good things that have come from me in the past several years are like deeply rooted in my relationship with my partner. And like, I see so many of those improvements that came from him that came from like us talking or pushing each other or like being together um, and like being best friends and being, you know, each other's partners. And I like, I wish she knew that because she would then see that like this person like made me so, so much, so much better person and made me so happy. Um, that's like the core of it, but just like all of the, the ways that I've become a better person, I think like pushing me to grow and like all of those things came from him and so that's what I would want her to know and like wish that she knew that how much like the way that they talked about our relationship like hurt and like traumatized my ability I think to be healthy in that relationship for for longer um and so I have a lot of like more growing to do and more like independence to gain before I think I can be someone else's partner that's that's also thanks to thanks to my family unfortunately but um we're working on it I'm so proud of you I've seen a lot of affection from you too like mm-hmm. you've and a lot of patience as well and I'm, I'm really proud of your growth but also I know you're going to continue to grow even without your partner and you never know maybe in the future maybe you'll find someone who enhances your growth even more yeah Maybe I don't, you know, or maybe it'll be the same partner who knows, but I just want to continue on that path of like self, self growth and like self, um, actualization a little bit. Yeah. Proud. Thank you. Love you. (laughs) Love you too. (laughs) All right. So we know this episode took a little bit of a like serious and somber turn. Um, but you know, in conclusion, Gainath and I have both been really lucky to be in at least one really healthy and wonderful relationship. And we know that a lot of relationships aren't like that. And so 
if you are experiencing any of the red flags that we talked about, um, no matter how old you are, or if you know someone else who's experiencing them, because oftentimes we don't see it for ourselves, we see it for a friend. Um, you can definitely call the domestic violence hotline and the number is 1-800-799-SAFE. And we will post this info on our social media as well. So at the beginning of this episode, we talked about some of the stigmas and misconceptions that the South Asian community has around dating. And we recognize the validity in these concerns because relationships can be abusive as we've seen in our parents and older generations. But it's important to have good, healthy relationships for self-growth. And some of you may want to bring your families along with you on that journey. And both Sonia and I, we wish nothing but the best for you. Thank you so much, y'all. We're so grateful that you're here. And we really hope that you took something away from this episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, Remember to find us on Instagram and you can email us. Remember, our Instagram is underscore brownandbold underscore. And our email is brownandboldpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.